Welcome to episode 844 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, I'm warming up my right arm because apparently I'm going to the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen because uh, <laughs> they're out of options. It has been rock bottom, and now they have, uh, was talking with somebody this morning, nine of 18 pitchers from the opening day roster are currently on the IL for the team, with the latest being Nick Anderson. Uh, so I will pause for a moment to allow all of you listening who have Nick Anderson on your team to cry. Mm, yeah, I, I promise I am not the general manager of the race. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Chaz Rowe is like they're trying to figure out, hey, who's going to close for the race? I'm like, yes. <laughs> who's the answer? Yes, that's who's going to close for the race. I saw a tweet this morning. Somebody was tweeting that uh, Scott Casimir got his first professional victory pitching for the Sugarland Skeeters this weekend. I'm like, shit, can he come back to Tampa Bay and close? Because he may be needed. Uh, so, yeah, it is the injuries, man. Are just I, I tweeted out a graphic just showing overall around the league uh, where where injuries are and the, the number of teams that have that currently have double digit totals of pitchers on the IL is is insane. And I know it's you know, something Eno's written about and uh, Ben Lindbergh. We talked about it on this podcast, but my, by my count, current teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 30 have at least 10 pitchers on the IL that were on the that were on their 60 man roster, which you figured, you know, half of it was pitching at one point or whatever. But and then there's Oakland, who has two people on the IL and no hitters. I mean, Oakland's been amazingly healthy this year. So, you know, kudos to uh, NoCal uh, for staying healthy and, and Boston has three pitchers on the IL. Maybe maybe they should have more go on the IL because their current group is so bad. But yeah, that's it. And and two though it's it's um they just got Darwin's and Hernandez back who may be their best pitcher now. Uh by the end of the week you figure they're gonna trade you yeah. but the uh <laughs> yeah with two of them being Sale and Erod being out on Boston, uh, that's where their staff is. But man, the, the pitching injuries every day we turn it on it's like damage report. Feels like an episode of Star Trek where Picard just sits down in the chair and be like, "All right, who's gone? Who's out?" Mm -hmm. it, it's amazing because I, I mean, I think we all knew that this season was going to be just a season of attrition. Like, who could survive it the best? Mm -hmm. uh, especially in fantasy, uh, where everybody's fantasy teams looks like a walking graveyard. I didn't think anybody was prepared for how much that was going to be true. It, it's been, I think, brutal for a lot of people, uh, obviously major league teams, but, you know, fantasy teams as well. So uh, if you're still competing, you know, uh, kudos to you. If you're not, keep working hard because we're not even technically a month through the, or uh, halfway through the actual season. So uh, there's still plenty of time for people to catch up. Don't give up if you're, in you know 14th or 11th place in your league it's uh there's still plenty of time for you to to make some moves here uh let's start with nick anderson hits the il with a strained forearm uh who is the closer now is it jalen beeks is it diego castillo is it you uh, it's me mm -hmm. uh and i think i can get it done in all seriousness though I mean, by stuff, if, if we're trying, if you try to look at who's throwing the ball best right now, that answer is Peter Fairbanks. Peter Fairbanks has looked fantastic out of the bullpen um, here the last couple of weeks. He's been in, in watching all the games uh, as I do. He's been the best arm out of the bullpen by far. Uh, now, it may be some of the other guys, you know, Beeks may have gotten the decision here, there, here, or there, but 
by pure stuff, this would be Fairbanks' job. Uh, if if Kevin Cash behaved like a traditional manager and how fantasy managers want him to behave. But if you've owned Nick Anderson, you know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. The game gets saved whenever the game gets saved, whether it's the seventh inning, the eighth, or the ninth. And so I would expect Fairbanks, but Fairbanks was already pitching in these types of leverage situations. He was the first option. And then, you know, he would come in and do his inning. And then they would give it to somebody else. And if they started crap in the bed, then Nick Anderson would get up. Uh, and so that's how he's been used. So Because uh, even Castillo, we know what the stuff Castillo has, but dude's command is all over the place right now. And you can't trust him to come in. He'll come in and walk. The other day, came in, walked first two guys he faced. And it's like, yeah, no. Um, but th- that's kind of it. Today, they've got Josh Fleming making his Major League debut um, to start. And he's just a uh, a guy, ideally, that would be a, a lefty swingman type. Not He's not like a Yarbrough type, but a, along those lines where fringe starter, but could have more out of relief. But he's starting today um, because they're kind of out of options. But when you look at what's in the bullpen, it's just going to be situational. Uh, maybe Aaron Loop gets another save. Maybe Aaron Slagers, who pitched five no-hit innings or four no-hit innings out of nowhere yesterday. Uh, yeah, that, that happened. But the... Looking at the rosters, like who, what, how, huh? Yeah, uh, and that's kind of where things are at right now. Unless they make some kind of deal like Philly did to try to plug their gaping dumpster <laughs> fire of a bullpen. Sorry, Ellen, I know you're listening, but good God, what a mess! <laughs> Didn't get any better yesterday either. So, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, I made fire. That's what I said her as a, as a as a reply when she was complaining about the pen, <laughs> like Tom Hanks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll get to that trade here in a second, but uh, I, I agree. I, I don't think that the Rays bullpen is going to be predictable rest of the way. It hasn't been per- predictable for probably the entire you know Kevin Cash experience. So I don't think that this is going to change anything. I think it's going to be super frustrating. So I wouldn't be putting a lot of fab on any particular piece, but maybe just spreading it out and you know getting the cheapest guy. Yeah, I mean. We're going to talk some more about some of the kids that have come up this week, and mm-hmm. this is where I get a little envious. It's like when you look, you see all the young kids making their major league debuts and whatnot, and then I'm staring at this, and I have to, I still have to watch Mike Zanino at bats this week, mm-hmm. and I'm like, can I have Ronaldo Hernandez, please? Joey Bart can come up, and, and Kyber Ruiz can come up. Why can I have Ronaldo Hernandez, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, at, at least this week, I do have to give Zanino credit. He did take uh, Garrett Cole deep. Yep. And now he has more hits than pass balls for the first time all season. So that's progress. Oh, good for uh, him. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's like also on the pitching side. It's like, can I please have Shane McClanahan? Can I have Shane Boz? Can can we get can we get Joe Ryan? Can we get like anybody? Bring them up. I want to see kids, and I can't. Every time somebody gets hurt, they bring up a name, and I'm like. Yeah, that guy's like way down the depth chart. Can we have somebody else at this point? I don't want to see. It's you know, they're playing well despite all of this. They're in first place. I want to see. I want to join the, the the kid party and have the and have the more talented arms come up and try to do something. Yeah, I mean it, it's lucky for the Rays that uh, the the Yankees are having similar injury, if not much worse injury issues. So uh, I think it's it's going to again be a battle of attrition between the two. Uh, yeah. we, you know, but both teams are likely in the playoffs considering that division. Yeah, Yankees are having a quality issue. The Rays are having a quantity issue. But yeah. the, the problem is it's hitting the Rays in the bullpen. Yeah. And that's where that's really where it's it's because with with uh, you look back at how it was leveraged last year, Kittredge out for the year, Poche out for the year. 
uh, you know, Anderson now, Anderson's now out, Alvarado's out. It's like all the, the A bullpen is pretty much gone. It's not like the B is now the A bullpen. And maybe, and maybe this is for you guys in the, in the free, in the free Nate Lowe club. Maybe this is how Nate Lowe gets freed is they trade him somewhere to get some bullpen help. Yeah, maybe it, uh, that would be, make a lot of sense. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about that Phillies trade. The Boston Red Sox and uh, Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry over to them for, I think, was it Nick Pavetta? Yeah, and and, a, and the Nick Pavetta was the throw in the way it okay. was worded. Uh, and I haven't even seen who the prospect is yet, but uh, what does this, I mean, obviously I think Matt Barnes becomes the closer, at least for now, in Boston. Uh but like, what do you make of the Phillies bullpen now? Is Hector Neris done as closer and Brandon Work? This is Brandon Workman's job, or do you think this uh, becomes a committee, or are they splitting it? How do you think it works out in Philadelphia? I mean, Neris has done everything to pitch his way out of that job. Uh, Connor Siebold was the prospect that went over. Uh, so I mean, that's where it works. Workman was a free agent after the year. I think Hembry was a plus one. Uh, is a plus one situation uh, on that, but. I mean, Neris has not done anything to keep the job that, but it's kind of strange to get, you know, to trade for, <laughs> it's not, the Boston bullpen has been the Phillies of the American league. Right. Uh, and, but we know what Workman's capable of, but because of the traditional usage of the reliever, Brandon Workman just hasn't pitched enough because Boston keeps losing. Womp womp. Uh, and so, but so this gives them some depth. Phillies got to try something. I mean, they, they still, with the expanded playoffs, they have a talent, they have a roster that can get places, but man, the bullpen has just blown so much for them. And you got to get, and you've, you, you've seen what Hembry and Workman are capable of when they're, when they're good. Um, and perhaps that change of scenery and now saying, Hey, we, we're, we're going to have a postseason uh, instead of being out of it and worried uh, what's going to happen with Boston. So uh, I think it's Workman's job to lose now, and Naris at least gets a break, and maybe yeah, maybe they they split it because we've seen Naris flop before, but then come roaring back too. Like I wouldn't cut him if you're sitting if you have him. I don't know if I could cut him because again, reliever volatility. We know what that we know what that looks like, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where it gets scary. You're like, okay, I'll dump that guy, and then he then he picks up and jumps all over it. Yeah, I wouldn't cut him either, at least not right now. Let's see how the first week or so plays out. Uh, and if Workman's the one who's getting, you know, the majority or all of the save opportunities over the next week, then we know we have our answer to cut him next week. But I think you got to hold on to him for at least one week. Uh, let's talk about uh, one more closing situation, and that is Drew Pomeranz hits the IL. Uh, obviously, Kirby Yates already done for the season. Is the answer in San Diego going to be Emilio Pagan, or because he I mean, he's been absolutely garbage this year? Uh, but <laughs> it's he, so bad. He, I mean, this bullpen was supposed to be a strength of theirs. It has not been a strength. Um, so, what do the Padres do, and then also what do fantasy uh, players do if if they need saves out of the San Diego bullpen? You know, it's. And again, like you said, we we thought this pen was going to be so good coming into the year. And when you look at, I forgot exactly what the when I was looking the other day. I remember I'm trying to pull it up now to see where things because I know the Padres spent the week just beating up on Texas. But when I looked at it, I was like, okay, how are the Padres now? They're 17 and 12, and they won six straight. The other day, I looked, they were 12 and 12. I mean, every time I on Twitter, all I see is Padres highlights. 
Uh, and this was before this week when they beat up on Texas. But all you would see uh, everything, and it's just like that. You look, you're like, oh my god, how is this team a 500 team with what they're doing offensively? Oh yeah, the bullpen's not doing that well. Uh, and then Paddock was getting smacked around. Now you look and you look at the pen, you're like, there's potential. I think it's Pagan's job to lose, but only because there's nobody else that I would give the ball to. I mean, Craig Stammen has had. There was a time when I liked Craig Stammen and what he was capable of, but there's nobody else I would really give the ball to. I mean, I don't know if anybody watched Luis Perdomo's major league debut the other day against Milwaukee, but there's stuff there, but there's no command at all. Uh, and then he was balking uh, the way he did the way he did his delivery. Um, we know Baez throws very hard, and that but that's there's a lot of eh. So I guess you hope Pagan finds it with the reliever volatility again, and it bounces back in his favor. But uh, other than that, you got to hope maybe the starters can go a little longer uh, and try to hide some of that. But th- that's not ideal for them either. Yeah, nothing about this situation is ideal. <laughs> I mean, I just, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, Matt Strom on the surface has good numbers, but you you dig an inch deep on those metrics, and things are not going well for Matt Strom as well. I think it's Pagan. I mean, they, they invested resources to, to trade for him in the offseason. Uh, I think he's got to be next man up. I just don't know that uh, I would, you know, I mean, obviously, if you if you have Hector Neris and you just, you know, obviously just lost your closer, or if you have Pomeranz as your closer, um, you know, you may not, or Nick Anderson as your closer, you may not really have a lot of options, so... I mean, I guess Millie Pagan's the next man up, but I, I wouldn't be super enthused about that situation either. Uh, like I said, he was he was fantastic, and this is where, you know, we've talked about this. Actually, the ironic thing is we talked about it with Yates uh, in the offseason. It's like when guys have such an amazing, amazing year, you have to plan for a step back. Um, but you can't plan. Nobody planned for uh, Yates having, his issue, having the injury. Um, and even with Pagan, yeah, he's been this before. This is why he went from, you know, Oakland to Seattle to Tampa Bay to San Diego in like a two-year journey, two to three-year journey. It's like you go back and look at some of those other numbers. He was a guy that got righties, and that was, you know, that was it. But he had severe issues, and that's one of the reasons why he became available for Malik Smith. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, and he, he, he did the job for my favorite squad. Uh, and he's, we know he's capable of doing it. It's just really weird to see this much of a step back right now. But again, with all the curveballs that were thrown at these guys to try to get ready for the season, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, who here besides me had Brad Keller with a 0.00 ERA through three starts? Anyone? Bueller? No. I, have, I have him on every single one of my AL squads because he was just there. <laughs> and I had $2 at the end of the draft. And I did it because of uh, he said he was going to throw a new curveball. He, he has not thrown a new curveball. No new pitch, but it's like the same old Brad Keller, but he has these runs. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I uh, Brad Keller burned me really bad last year. <laughs> so. I, I had Brad Keller last year. I kept him at $2 in my local league. But, yeah, that's one of the things. It's like you're trying to describe – What's going on in baseball? And Brad Keller has not been scored upon this year. Yeah, and he's that got a sums it up. 
He's actually got a really nice two-start week this week. Uh, I believe Kansas City. The Reds. Yeah. Um, so, or uh, let's see, Kansas City. I think they got Detroit and Cleveland. Is that right? I thought it was the Reds, but maybe you're right. But yeah, that uh, should be a nice matchup for him. Yeah, either way. I mean, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that he's available in one of my main event leagues, and I thoroughly expect him for go to for going uh, to go for 200 plus dollars. So. Well. Yeah. Well, the Pomeranz thing in my uh, my NFBC league, Pomeranz dropped. Uh, he went six fifteen wow. last week. I I was runner up at four twelve because I'm like I don't know why he was even available, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw just over half my remaining fab at him, uh, and I lost. I'm like, okay. Glad I lost. <laughs> now we'll see who bought. But yeah, he won six fifteen in my league last week. Yeah, I mean it's people who have money to spend have to now spend it, and uh, I mean I, I'm in this tricky situation, which uh, in in most of my leagues and uh, and especially in my in my uh, main event leagues where I'm like way ha- uh, out ahead in saves. Like my mm-hmm. one of my main event teams is fourth in the overall in saves. Wow. And, like, I'm leading my league by, like, almost 12 saves. Um, and so, like, I can't even go after any of these closers. Like, I have to go after other players, and I keep seeing all these closers pop up onto the wire because uh, everybody else is getting hurt. But I'm just uh, – uh, I, I guess it's a, a gold-plated That's problem. That's impressive. So <laughs> <laughs> I got 23 saves in the main event. That's – it's uh, Yikes. It's That's – I'm going to have to start benching closers. I mean, I remember you planning for it, but you're never the guy that goes out there and reaches. Like, you get forced into going to buy your closers where you don't plan to be super aggressive. I tend to be somewhat aggressive, but, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Part of it is luck. Sure. Like, you know, in one of my my other main event, we lucked into Joe Jimenez. Like, he was the last closer on the board. And, like, so he... You know, he gave us a bunch of saves early. You know, I had Daniel Hudson everywhere, so that I mean that's been, uh, you know, very beneficial. But I also, I mean, you know, my my Barf League team, I drafted four closers, and not one of them is still playing right now. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, I mean that you yeah, have you have the other the other side of the coin. Sometimes it's just uh, been lucky for me in the NFBC this year in terms of saves. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, finish out the news section and talk about Steven Strasburg. He is done for the season. He is going to get carpal tunnel surgery. Uh, I think the hope is that he will be ready for spring training next year, but I've hear, heard some varied reports on that. Uh, so let, let's talk about his potential replacements first. Um, it looks like Austin Voth is now cemented back into the rotation uh, and Eric Fetty is also in the rotation, uh, you know, considering their injuries. Uh, either of these guys interesting you? I believe they both have a two-start week this week. Yeah, I would be in on Voth uh, with him. Just everybody else taking the step forward. I like Voth better than Fetty here. Uh, and with with Strasburg, I mean, you would hope that it would he would be able to have, I mean, with uh, September, October, November, December, January, f- f- six months. Until mm-hmm. he's got to come back to camp, assuming that we're in normalcy by that point. Uh, but how long is it going to be until he can pick up a baseball and start working on things again? Uh, and a stop start and stop start and a stop start again uh, for him in his in his uh, workout routine. But with the I'm trying to think about 
carpal tunnel was one surgery I haven't had, so I don't have mm-hmm. anything to fall back on. My, my wife, one, a colleague, a colleague of mine had it. And my I wife had it. Um, like for a month, she was under like I can't do anything for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife had it. it. I mean, usually you're back to work within a week, but we need to preface that working at an office behind a desk while it can be strenuous for sure is not pitching like some people I mean, are like pitchers don't need their wrist at all right yeah just, exactly everybody's just locking their wrist and just throwing a football slider and nobody mm-hmm. finishes the pit yeah uh i just can't imagine i didn't i remember the scar and mm-hmm. i also can't recall another pitcher that's had carpal tunnel this feels like I, an n equals one sample size too yeah i think it is and I mean, carpal tunnel has, uh, the surgery itself has really good overall results. It's got like a 75 to 90% success rate, uh, long-term, uh, that being said, my wife has been one of the ones that's in that 10 to 25%, um, where she's had issues. And so it's Mm. not like a, you know, fix all. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know. I I drafted him already for next year in a in a three sport draft I'm doing right now, um, and this is obvious. I drafted him obviously before the injury, but I'm a bit worried about that uh, uh, that pick now uh, as my second starter behind uh, Lucas yeah. Giolito in that league. Can imagine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Voth is the guy. Uh, and I know he for sure has a uh, two-step this week. It's not a great two-step, and he hasn't been great. So I think it really depends on your depth of league. But if you're in a 15-team league or deeper, Voth might be worth uh, kind of a flyer uh, here this week with this two-step. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk about some fab guys. Uh, we've got a lot of guys, especially young guys, who have come up and, uh, and are going to be huge bidding items this week in uh, NFBC leagues and in other leagues. Uh, let's start with those uh, young catchers that you mentioned earlier on. Joey Bart, top prospect of the Giants. He's here. He looks really, really good. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, and then Kieber, uh, Kier, uh, wow, I'm, I'm butchering this name. Keeper okay, uh, you know. <laughs> Ruiz of the Dodgers uh, is up as well. So, uh, if I mean, I think everybody needs catching right now, unless you uh, uh, really lucked into Austin Nola or uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, uh, as I have in a few leagues, uh, you know, or you, you paid up for Real Muto. Catching has been a wasteland a little bit this year. So, how much uh, fab would you be willing to spend on one of these guys? Yeah, catching. I have every one of my rosters that I didn't see. Like one of the triple threat, I I did JT Real Muto big. And like other than that, my catching has been an absolute joke across. And, and it, like you said, it is a league wide problem. Uh, and that's what you get. But like all those multiple shares of Austin Allen that I have, yeah, that's not working out. Danny Jansen rebound season, that's not working out well. Uh, and so I would be, honestly, I would be aggressive. Was it Bart that I saw take the ball, take the ball all the way off to the top of the fence yeah. on the center last night? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He about, missed the home run by like an inch. Yeah, it was about three <laughs> inches from going over. And like, and I think everybody in the park thought it was going out. Because, I mean, that thing, uh, had the wall not been there, crushed. yeah, it, it would have traveled, you know, another hundred feet. Because I mean, that thing was murdered. Uh, yeah, he looks the part for sure. Yeah, 
uh, and a, a pretty good catcher behind the plate as well. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year with Buster Posey. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be aggressive on Bart if I need a catcher, and I know I need a catcher in a few of my leagues, uh, just because I don't think there's any more impact catcher bats coming up. I mean, you, we could see Tyler Stevenson return at some point for the Reds, uh, but, I mean, Dalton Varsho's already up. They're not playing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't see any other impact catcher bats. And that's a real place where you can get a disparity over, uh, you know, other players in your league. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I, I think, you know, like in NFBC, I think it's going to take a triple digit bid. Um, and, uh, you know, not everybody has the ability to do that. But if you really need a catcher, uh, I'm, I'm thinking a triple digit bid out of a thousand is probably what it's going to take. So for those of you playing, you know, a hundred dollar uh, fab leagues, you're, you're probably going to have to go, you know, 10 to 20 bucks at least. And with Ruiz, I mean, we know his pedigree as well. And even with Will Smith, when he comes back, you know, if he comes back uh, this season, you know, how much, where's, where's the playing time hit? Because it could, you know, everybody was super excited when Ruiz got called up. It's like, all right, move aside Will Smith, who wasn't having a great year to begin with. Uh, but if the back was troubling him, that would explain why. And, uh, you know, go from there and see what happens. Yeah, I, I like Ruiz a lot. I like him a little bit more long term. And right now, he looks to be stuck in kind of the short side of the platoon with Austin Barnes. I expect that to change. So, I mean, I... I if, for instance, like I'm in a league where I've got Danny Jansen, well, I'm going to go after Ruiz. Well, I'm going to go after Bart first, but also go after Ruiz. And uh, if uh, if I miss out on Bart, you know, I'm going to get Ruiz for much, much cheaper. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with that because I do think eventually the talent will show through there. It just may not be this year, but uh, I'm willing to bet on the upside. It's better than running Jason Castro out there every, you know, for, for your teams and stuff. <laughs> Uh, Robinson Cano has returned from the IL and he looks like vintage Robinson Cano to the point where I'm wondering if the, the Mets can trade him maybe back to New York, uh, back to the Yankees. Uh, are, are you picking up Robinson Cano? Yeah, I've always been a sucker for that dude. Uh, honestly, uh, because when he's, it's always been, the health has been the holdback, but it, you talk about aging gracefully as long as something doesn't break down on him. The swing is still gorgeous. Uh, I'm still not convinced that we haven't, the baseball hasn't like his home run in particular this week, the one he hit in Miami that looked like the second baseman was going to jump up and snare the line drive that went out, went over the fence and right center field. I was like, to me, that was my, Oh my God, I think the old baseball's back because there's no way. I mean, the launch angle on that thing was maybe two degrees. You know, yeah, I'm being sarcastic here, but that ball should have been a line drive into the gap, and it carried right over the fence. I mean, it was a snot rocket. He hit the crap out of it, much like the much like the um, the two iron shot that Vladdy uh, hit off of Ryan Yarbrough this week. Same type of situation, but there's no. I st- I was still stunned when I saw that highlight. I mean, like, is that the same? Is that the same ball that he hit? Because I thought they mashed two different highlights together. Because there's off the bat, I'm like, there's no way that ball's getting out. And sure enough, it cleared the fence. So that's what he's capable of. Uh, and uh, again, the Mets are Mets, but that lineup, when everything's working well, um, can be good. I, I wish I'm, I wish Ahmed Rosario could heat up in the same manner. Uh, <laughs> been disappointed about how that season's worked out. But yeah, Cano has always been like that safe vet that was there at the end of drafts. So like, okay, sure, I'll take another shot on him. And if you have held on through. You're now starting to get payback on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, this was a guy that I talked about a lot coming into the season because 
he was slated to hit fourth. And, I mean, he's hitting fifth right now. That's a pretty darn good lineup that they have. Mm -hmm. It's just the pitching that they can't figure out. I mean, this pitching staff, what, a year ago was Zach Wheeler, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob deGrom. Right now it's deGrom and a whole bunch of bums. It's so crazy how that you look at the staff, you're like, wow. You know, and then even even the back end of the bullpen. Now they move. I did see they moved Lugo to the rotation. Yes. Oh, so bad. I loved I loved him in the role that he was in. He was perfect for that. Uh, They're out then, of options though. Like they've gotten nobody left. It's in like, I mean, I was bummed when they originally moved him out of the rotation a few years ago because they were so stacked. But right. like, they're just out of options. I mean, everybody is hurt for them. So here, here's the other thing. It's like while we're on the Mets, I gotta, I gotta talk about Edwin Diaz again. Yeah, Edwin Diaz is pitching the hell out of the baseball right now. Yeah, I know he got stuck. Uh, you know, he's had he had the bad outing in Boston. Like the, we we talked about the the home run he gave up to uh, Marcelo Zuna in that second game of the year against the uh, against uh, the Braves. Right? Then he comes in in Boston and has that really ugly outing against Boston. And then since. One run scored upon, and his strikeouts, two, two, three, two, two, three, four. It's like, that's vintage. And he's got 24 strikeouts in 10 and two-thirds. And he's given up three earned runs, two of which came the opening weekend uh, type of situation. And he's pitching really well. He has a 20.3 K-9 right now. And it's like... But the 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 reputation is, oh, he sucks. We've moved on. It's like, if somehow, if that has happened in your league... Yeah, jump back in, please. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons why, you know, a guy with elite skills, if he loses the role, you just hold on for as long as you can. Um, you just don't, don't give up on a guy like uh, Diaz, and I know that can hurt, and it did hurt last year if you ha- if you kept rostering him rest of the way. Uh, but I mean, this you know, I've got him in one of my main events, and like we just said, okay, he's gonna hit the reserve list for a little while, but we can't put him on the wire because you know, at some point he's gonna get that rollback. He's got they've got too much money invested in him. He's a five hundred Babbitt. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on and uh, talk about Abraham Toro. Uh, I mean. Alex Bregman is hitting, and I think I'm going to add Miles Straw to this list as well, because uh, uh, Alex Bregman hit the IL, uh, and now it looks like uh, Toro and Straw will be the main beneficiaries of Bregman's absence. Which one of these guys would you be interested in picking up? Oh, uh, I have had a many shares of straw coming into the season. Uh, I have moved on from some of those shares because I just couldn't carry. I couldn't carry the empty steals uh, anymore. The fun part about him is that when he gets on base, he does run. The problem is just hit straw getting on base. And you would think that Toro would have that ability because he's got a high contact, you know, high bats of ball uh, that has not translated to the major league level. He just has, you know, 144 plate appearances, 271 on base percentage. But that didn't stop Dusty Baker from putting Miles Straw into the leadoff spot the other day. I'm watching the game and I'm like, what the hell? How is he leading off? Uh, one for four, stole the base. You know, it worked. Uh, but I, that was that game where they went into like 13 innings and I think it was a two to one score. No, that was the one that was the double shutout until the extra innings against Colorado. So that's where it gets. And Greinke was pitching that one. So 
Straw's fantasy, fantasy wise, it's Straw because at least when he gets on base, he's going to run. Uh, and with Toro, he's just not getting on base. And if he does, he's not running. So give me Straw, but it's it hurts. It's it's not. He has to run. I mean, it's great that he can do that uh, and steal a base, but it's coming at a cost because he's not giving you anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, you know team context. Do you need stolen bases? Which I think. Just about everybody needs. Like, I'm doing well in saves, but I am not doing well in stolen bases. The league's year. running less. I looked at it. There's like 0. 0.4 stolen base attempts per game now. Mm-hmm. And last year was 0. 0.55. So it's like, it's down. Uh, I was looking at, it may even be the Rotowire article. I was trying to look, still trying to figure out exactly what I want to write, but that may be what I'm going to look at. Because uh, when I ran the numbers, it was just like, hmm, that's, that's not a good number. A uh, lot of opportunity out there, but teams just aren't running. Well, I think it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about income inequality. It's, it's uh, stolen base inequality in baseball. Because you've got, you've got three team or four teams with over 20 stolen bases as teams. And yep. then you've got, it looks like, 11 teams with less than 10. And the funny thing is, it's like the new managers. You, mm-hmm. know, when you look at, uh, you know, Tingler in San Diego, they have uh, 30, 32 attempts. Uh, their second Seattle is not new with Scott Service. Seattle leads a league in attempts with 35 attempted. Uh, San Diego's next at 32, and then you've got Texas at 29. You've got Miami at, uh, I'm sorry, Kansas City. So Mike Matheny, yay. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't waste your But they are also 18 for 28. Uh, they have one of the worst stolen base conversion rates in the league. Um, but because Nikki Lopez has been caught three times, and uh, Mondesi's, uh, Mondesi's been caught, been caught at least three times. Yeah. Uh, so that's where things are, but yes, yeah, some other teams just obviously it hurts us with some teams missing time. But like the Cubs have nine stolen base attempts on the season. Yeah, the Rangers, the, the, the Rangers Tigers and the Marlins, teams. Rangers and the Marlins have more stolen bases than they do home runs. <laughs> well, I looked aside, tweeted something out the the week the White Sox have they've hit twenty three home runs this week. Arizona's hit twenty two on the season. Wow, and Arizona has played the same amount of games. Like, there's a 13-plate appearance difference between those two squads. <laughs> the White Sox have more homers this week than Arizona does on the season. I, I don't understand what's going on in Arizona. Like, that was supposed <laughs> to be a team built to compete. Uh, and, like, I just, I mean, it, it, they've just looked absolutely atrocious outside of, like, Zach Gallen and, and Merrill Kelly. Uh, I mean, the whole... Merrill Kelly was a surprise because I did not, no one did saw that, not coming. See that coming. No one thought he was going to be in the rotation. Yeah, much we all we are all we were all pushing him out and so uh you know but mike leak opting out and then the opportunity and he's just i mean so, something's got to be going on with that humidor in in arizona because i mean yeah, they, they may have cranked it way up yeah <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on but it, it's not it's not going well there uh, another top prospect. Oh, actually, before we move on, actually, uh, Toro. He's a guy I actually like from a straight skills perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he can hit the ball hard. He ha- he knows how to walk. I think if he was in a different organization, we would have heard more about him coming up. But he's just been blocked by you know the guys they have on that team. So if you need, if you're especially if you're in an on base percentage league like he's a guy that I would just throw a few bucks on if he gets some full time run with both Jordan Alvarez and uh, Bregman uh on the IL like I think he's a guy but if you're looking for speed Miles Straw I think he's shortstop and outfield eligible in most formats so yeah I mean that's really nice uh and he does have a ton of speed 
uh, that he likes to use when he does get on base. Uh, but like you said, they're, they're, it's going to come at a deficit to, sit, a deficit to something else. Uh, another top prospect that is or that has come up is Brendan Rodgers. Uh, now, <laughs> he's coming up in San Diego, or sorry, in uh, in Colorado, so he's probably not going to play, but, uh, you know, this is a former, like, top three or four prospect in all of baseball that has had some uh, inconsistencies and then injuries that have kind of derailed his uh, uh, kind of hype train. Any interest in picking up Brendan Rodgers? I, no, I'm uh, because of how they just play around with everybody. It just it drives me nuts in Colorado. It's like, okay, here, Hampson, uh, all right, it's been two games. You haven't done anything. You're out. McMahon, come in. You're out. And just the way they keep cycling through, guys. And I, I just don't want the frustration. I don't want to spend the money on him and then have him get two, three games, not do well, and then he's back to back to the bench in purgatory. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, but a guy that has been getting a lot of playing time and is widely available right now is uh, Romeo Tapia. Uh, I saw Tapia hit early before the start of the season. I think he was actually in one of the Trevor Bauer th uh, videos, and he just looked absolutely awful at the plate. And I was like, okay, well, crossing him off my list. But he has turned things around, has looked really good, and has been leading off since David Dahl hit the IL uh, and playing pretty much every day in left field. Are you picking up Tapia? So here's the funny thing. Like you look at his stat line, and this is what this is when you would normally say, "Oh, NL." Like you look at a guy last year, like uh, 447 plate appearances, had a five percent walk rate. This year, he has a 16 percent walk rate. And so you may think, "Oh, you know, in, in a normal season, oh, this is a guy who's hitting eighth, you know, hitting in front of the pitcher, like whatever." But it's like he has. They clearly asked him, "Hey." Uh, you know, your job is to just get on base. And when you get on base, you know, steal a few bases, by the way, but we want you on base. Could you work on taking pitches? Sure, coach, no problem. And to quadruple, nearly quadruple his walk rate, just like that, uh, speaks to the type of uh, you know, the hitting discipline he's had because he's never really been that type of guy. We know he can be a, you know, if you've watched Toppy, he's the guy with two strikes that likes to squat down and get really small uh, with his. <laughs> he uh, he, I don't think he does that anymore. <laughs> he didn't do that anymore. Oh, that's, the, that's the whole thing in the minors where he would squat down and really <laughs> choke up and, and try to get real small and two strike counts. Uh, but yeah, you know, if his if they're asking him to get on base, which he's doing at a three ninety seven clip right now, mm -hmm. uh, there's runs, uh, and that's where he, that's where he can get. It. He's got he has nine runs scored. Uh, three steals, even driven in six, thanks, because the pitcher's not clogging the base up in front of him if he even gets on base. So, yeah, I, I'd be interested there, especially with you know, more time, more uh, playing time in Colorado. I don't know what their home road split game total has been. I think uh, they've played the more games on the road than they have. I believe they've got more home games coming up. Let's in. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, uh, he, now, no home runs yet, so if you're it's, looking for homers. Happen. Uh, but like you said, I'd rather have Tapia than straw. If we want to yeah. jump back, to mm -hmm. give me Tapia all day over straw. Yeah. He's got three stolen bases already. Uh, and to your point, I mean, he has made a, a real change in his plate approach. He, his swing percentage is, uh, down from 58.6% down to 47.7. So 11% drop in his swing percentage, uh, swinging outside of the zone, uh, 12% less, uh, than he did last year, swing strike rate down 4%, uh, and making a little bit more contact, uh, but more contact within the zone. 
I, he's just become more a patient of a hitter. So, I mean, obviously in OBP leagues, he has an even bigger boost up. But, uh, yeah, he's going to play a lot more games in Colorado. It looks like they're letting him play. Uh, he's not a great defender, but he's out in left, so it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter too much. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a guy that uh, people are sleeping on. I mean, he's he's leading off for the Rockies. That That's going to translate into some really good opportunities for him. So I, I would be aggressive as well uh, on uh, on Tapia this week uh, if, if you're looking for an outfielder especially. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about Heimer Candelario, a guy that I kind of gave up on. Uh, but since C.J. Cron is done for the season, Candelario moving over to first, he's actually been hitting fairly well. Two home runs uh, recently, uh, you know, decent average. Is this a guy you're buying right now, or are you just kind of like, well, it's a hot streak, and I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to take all the bad <laughs> after he's already produced the good. <laughs> so I bought him two weeks ago, uh, and I, I did it in a trade with Eno. So uh, Eno was looking for uh, looking for something, and I traded him Willie Calhoun. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else I did, I traded him Willie Calhoun, and maybe it was just Calhoun straight up. It was Calhoun straight up for. Uh, for Jaime Candelario and Randy Arozarena, so that was the deal. There and and labor, folks. You can't you can't bench in the ALNL version. You cannot bench people that you drafted. Uh, if they're reserve guys, you can move them up and down. So like Arozarena was a guy that he took in the uh, you know took of the reserves like a pick before me. It was somebody I wanted then. So now now that I have him, I can move him up and down if I want to. Uh, but that also requires me to cut somebody I drafted. Uh, but it, you know, in this case, I just flipped kind of, I had to m- move somebody around the lineup, but I wanted to work because I actually had Crone in this league. Uh, and that was where it ended up being a swap out where, okay, I got that. I got that piece out of it. Maybe he gave me Tony Kemp. I forget, but uh, you know, there was a, a swap where I could put Candelaria in my spot for CJ Crone. And that's where it's worked out because it's like been a nice swap out of statistics because Candelaria was hit really well, which has surprised me because, I only acquired him because I was like, okay, he's going. He's playing. He's hitting at the time. He was hitting fifth, uh, and and Detroit lineup was doing well. The guys in front of him were getting on. So I was like, oh, we'll see what happens here. And, and I was, I couldn't carry Willie Calhoun 105 anymore. Just couldn't do it. Uh, and then he had a really good week that week, and I was like, well, that sucks. But then so did Candelario. But Candelario's had two solid scoring periods since I made that acquisition for that. So. Uh, I like what I've seen, uh, and as long as he continues to hit, which he should, uh, the way that lineup, as long as they don't face the Cleveland pitching, I mean, good God, when they face Shane Bieber and they face uh, <laughs> Tristan McKenzie, it's like, yeah, that's tough. So as long as they're not facing Cleveland, it's a good matchup, and he's doing he's doing well. Oh, we're going to get to Tristan McKenzie here in a little bit because I, I was super impressed by that start yesterday. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, another outfielder, a uh, young guy, Cedric Mullins. I think was everybody's favorite sleeper last year and just uh-huh. nothing ever materialized uh, for him. But he is now up and he is hitting well right now. So are you picking up Cedric Mullins? Uh, I did in my local AL League last night. We rerun Fab on Saturday nights and I did pick him up because I have to bench Chris Davis. I can't take it anymore. Um, you know, in labor I have him and I can't, I can't bring myself to cut him, but in leagues where I can bench him, 
he's got to go. Uh, and so he's on the bench and I'm putting Cedric Mullins in. But that's because that is, you know, deep AL. That's what you have. Uh, it's not like I was targeting Cedric Mullins. It was there was only a few guys available uh, that you could fab. And he was one of them. Uh, and if he's going to get the opportunity to play, uh, you know, when you look back, there's a reason why people liked him coming into last year. But the other problem with Baltimore is like try to think of the last hitting prospect they've really developed. You know, the yeah. Mancini. <laughs> uh, but that's that's kind of been, and maybe I don't think it's a talent problem. I just think maybe it's a process issue with them. But they have had a lot of trouble developing. And again, for some reason, but and you see, there was a really good story. I think maybe it was in the Athletic um, a week or so ago about. Ryan Mountcastle, who we're also talk about, Mm -hmm. about the process and why it's been so long for them to promote him. And it's like, once I read that story, I'm like, okay, fine. Now I understand why you haven't promoted Mountcastle. I get it. Uh, And so if you can go find that read, it's a really good read about the process behind it. But it'll just look like, you know, a lot of us thought, you know, Mountcastle will be up for a few days. But, you know, there was a reason why they were delaying him. I haven't seen the same story with Mullins. Um, he's been on a bit of a yo-yo, but apparently uh, it appears that Mountcastle's up to stay uh, mm-hmm. at this point. And the, that article, if I can find it, I'll give it to you so you can put it in the show notes. But it was a really good read into, oh, okay, that, th- this does make sense. I can see why it's been a delay. But, again, uh, track record is not good in Baltimore for them developing hitters. It's not good for them developing anyone. I mean, how many pitchers yeah. have we seen? Well, that? New Org. I mean, we're going to get the New Org. Yeah. Uh, they've only been in year two. I mean, Santander's been phenomenal this year yeah. uh, type of thing. But it is overall not a great track record of developing their uh, their prospects. Santander is one of those guys for me uh, that I was so high on compared to the rest of the industry and still just did not get on enough teams. And uh, I'm super bummed <laughs> because he has been fantastic. The problem with Mullins, I mean, and he's been hot. He's hitting like 417 since he started playing every day this week. Uh, I mean, he's just been great. Home run, stolen base already this week as well. Uh, he's hitting eighth or ninth in this lineup. So I, I just like it's. Hey, well, you can hit Pat Valeka high. You got to keep Pat Valeka high. Yeah, I, I don't really understand what they're doing <laughs> with the lineup construction. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Ruiz has been, you know, hot and cold. And when he's hot, he's, he's you know, really rolling. But is there any reason he's batting fifth in this lineup? I just don't understand. The right, like, Pedro the Severino. Right, right, right type of thing? I don't know. They're DHing Pedro's, uh, Pedro Severino and batting him fourth. Like, I, I don't, like, like, uh, I mean, I guess you want to put what you think is your best team in the best position to win, but why Orioles? I just like get your young guys up top, let them hit, see what you got in them. Uh, I, I like Mullins. I'm going to put some bids on him, some cheap bids on him uh, in some 15 team leagues this week and, and hope uh, that maybe he kind of keeps it up and they move him, you know, closer uh, to the middle of that lineup. But I think I paid five, yeah, I paid $5 for him last night. Well, AL only, that's a steal. So yeah. I, I like that a lot. Uh, moving on over, uh, we have, eh, if my computer will stop messing up. Oh, oh, the aforementioned uh, uh, Ryan Moncastle, who, uh, you know, is one of those prospects that I think everybody has been waiting forever on. Uh, like you said, I mean, people have been talking about Moncastle for uh, a long time. He's finally here. 
there's power. He's no longer playing in the infield, but in some leagues he may have like third base eligibility. Uh, so, which means he'll gain the outfield eligibility as well. Uh, a top prospect. He's got. He's definitely got power, and I think he's got a pretty decent hit tool. No speed really to his game, uh, for the most part. Might you know chip in a stolen base rest of the way, uh, but you're really getting power and. Like probably a 265 to 275 batting average. How aggressive are you going to be on Moncastle? Uh, so I had him. He was one of my final picks in Tout Wars. So I immediately put him in my lineup as soon as he got promoted uh, this week. So I immediately put him in there because he's been on my bench as a reserve. Like I have refused to cut him uh, because I was waiting for him to come up. Yeah, he's, so my, he is, he's my version of Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, <laughs> he is in there. Uh, and I, I did give you the article that I was referring to. It was it was a Baltimore Sun article, not an athletic. Uh, but it talks about the work they've been doing with uh, TrackMan, showing them like these. this is how guys have been pitching to you. This is what you've been. These are the you know these are the types of pitches that you have had a lot of success with, like giving him the visuals behind what he probably has in his head, uh, because this is a, they even mentioned in the article. He's walked like five percent of the time in the minor leagues. So it's like maybe and they've given them a little more of a challenge, like, you know, don't be in such a rush to swing at everything. Sometimes they're pitching you because they know you're going to swing at it and you don't do a lot of stuff with those types of things. So they've been challenging him to uh, take more pitches and they talk about some of the work he's been doing in alternate camp about accepting walks uh, and different things. So it's a pretty fascinating read. Just talk about how and this is the difference between this Orioles front office and the predecessors. Uh, on how they're attacking this type of thing. So it'd be really curious, but I'd be aggressive because for me, he's up, he's playing. And they, I think they've got him hitting fifth or sixth in this lineup. So, uh, I, and I think that that is going to be his spot. Uh, even if he struggles, I mean, like you said, I think they're getting, giving him run no matter what. So, uh, I, I like Moncastle, uh, especially in leagues where he is eligible, uh, in the infield already because that's where he kind of came up uh, in the minor leagues before being moved to the outfield. So some leagues, like I said, uh, yeah, in NFBC, he's eligible at first base and then he's going to get that outfield eligibility. And I know other leagues, he's uh, eligible at, uh, at like third base. So uh, Casey Mize, he's going to be the top, probably they're uh, <laughs> the most expensive bid this week. I've, you know, I Paul and I talked about him on Thursday. You know, kind of broke down what his, uh, or broke down his start along with Dane Dunning uh, and his start on Thursday uh, from earlier this week. Uh, I'm not going to put major bids on him. I may put some cursory bids, uh, and Paul thought I was insane for that. But looking at his upcoming schedule. Uh, he's going to face the Cubs in Minnesota this week in a two-start, and then Minnesota next week. I- I'm just avoiding that. W- what are you doing with Casey Mize? Are you going in that's on him? T- yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's like when you watch when you watch the video. Like I didn't watch the start. I went back and watched the highlights. And man, Splitter is filth, pure pure filth. And it's like it's one of these things where you watch a guy pitch. You're like, oh yep, super excited. I want him on my roster. And you kind of overlook the near future. And like that Minnesota matchups, not one you want to play with. Uh, and that's where it's like, yeah, you know, let somebody else go ahead and eat this one. So it's like it, in a vacuum. Yeah. I liked what I saw in reality. He's got a tough, he's got a tough sledding ahead of him. Yeah. I just, 
in a season where we only have you know you're only playing what 60 games uh, this year and you're about we're about halfway through I just don't want I, I know a lot of people have had guys ruin their ratios already and I just don't want to add to it with the potential I mean I know Casey Mize has a ton of upside but I'm just I'm just gonna avoid it and I'm gonna let other people spend their money so uh, you know if people want to put in the kind of uh, cursory bids where they're you know putting in 30 bucks out of a thousand or something like that just to you know in case everybody in your league feels that way but there's going to be a buyer in every league and i just think he's going to go for 80 to 200 bucks in in most leagues well it's, and it, it, the same thing applies to scooble as well it's like you know i have him i have him in labor i could i could have used him he's he was my first reserve pick so again moving up and down uh, and I was tempted to cut somebody, but then I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, he's got the White Sox. And then he's got that same twin. And I was like, no, I'm I'm going to leave him on reserve uh, for uh, until he gets through this. And good thing I did against that that White Sox outing. Uh, but that's why I just looked at it and said, no, I believe in the pitcher. Uh, we saw him pitch in we saw him pitch in Florida for the weekend first pitch Florida weekend, just fantastic. You can you know, you know long term love the guy. Short term was not touching it. He was not going in my roster. And uh, I, I feel the so. same way about Mize and Tarek Skubal, who is the next on our list. Uh, so are, are you feeling the same way about Skubal? Just, uh, you know, maybe maybe put a cursory bit on him and then you, you reserve him. Uh, because, I mean, I believe he's got his next two starts are going to be Minnesota and Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, it's, he's he's staying on my lineup. He's staying on my bench uh, mm -hmm. and labor. Not activating him. All right. I will figure something else out. I also have Felix Pena I could throw in there, but there's not a chance Scoobles coming off my bench. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Let's uh, let's just kind of zip on over to the next prospect uh, that made his debut. Sixto Sanchez uh, is probably one of those guys that people everybody's kind of been waiting on. Uh, but I think he's lost a little bit of the prospect sheen uh, that people, you know, had the really high hopes for when he was part, I think, of the, the JT Romuto trade uh, from uh, from Philly. Are you picking up uh, Sixto? Because there were moments in that start yesterday where he looked absolutely nasty, uh, and then moments he looked like a rookie. Yeah, and that's the inconsistency with uh, with things. I mean, the stuff that's not the problem. I mean, he hit a hundred. You could see the the change up, the the slide. When you there were times like if you only watched a highlight video, you're like, damn, this guy's amazing. But if you go back and watch it, you're like, huh? And like Alex Fast tweeted out his daily called strikes and whiffs leaderboard, and like Sanchez didn't even make the top twelve of that. So it's like with all that stuff, and yet you couldn't. You couldn't get through that one. That's that you couldn't even make the top twelve with that, and so that's where you should have some pause for that. So it's it's a it's tough sledding ahead for him, uh, but the stuff is there. It's just a matter of putting the stuff all together. And even again, even in that outing, you saw it waver in and out of the outing. You see some. You watch some of the uh, um, pitching ninja clips. You're like, wow, look at this. This stuff. This guy must have thrown great. And you would have thought like maybe that was Tristan McKenzie. Or you look at the line McKenzie put up. And that's the one you thought you think is the one that um, that Sanchez should be putting up. But yeah, Sanchez was 13th on the board last night. Yeah, gave up a lot of hard contact when they were. It was like it was uh, two outcomes. It was swing and miss and giving up a ton of hard contact. And two of those balls went over the fence. I like Sixto. I should probably check what his schedule is coming up. 
Um, and I, I will do that while I kind of uh, uh, ramble a little bit. Uh, because if he's got decent games, I wouldn't mind putting in on him. But I just think his name value is worth so much more than maybe his actual value will be. Yep, and like as we're saying this, I'm looking at Eno retweeting uh, a, a tweet from Ralph Lifshitz about like Eno's like God, I gotta fan myself, good lord. And Ralph's like, here are the highlights from his thing, and you watch the highlights, you're like, yeah, that, I mean, look at the look at the movement on these pitches, look at the slider, look at it, just like yeah, oh my God, you know, take all my money, I'm all in. Yeah, uh, he, but... he's <laughs> he's home versus the Rays in his next start. So I mean, I don't think you're wanting to use that start either way. So. Uh, I'd be a little bit more tepid on Sixto than I would be on this next guy, which is Tristan McKenzie, who was absolutely dominant uh, in his first start. I think gave up one run, struck out ten. Yeah, solo home run to Willie Castro. <laughs> yeah, and he he. This is a guy who, again, um, huge prospect pedigree, largely because they thought he was going to fill out at some point. Uh, but uh, as Paul mentioned on Twitter, they have the exact same body style, uh, and they both look like a stop sign. Um. No, no, no. Tristan McKenzie make Paul, makes Paul score a little I mean, I honestly, I thought it was a, I thought it was somebody throwing out a ceremonial first pitch when I first saw the picture. I mean, he is six foot and 165 with bricks in his pockets. Uh, that said, the stuff was legit. And before I forget, by the way, uh, if we could rewind all the way back to the catcher segment, Kyber Ruiz just got optioned back down. Will Smith's activated. So, damn. <laughs> just let that all go away. That just happened. Um, but with Tristan McKenzie, the, the impressive part was the, you know, 10 strikeouts in 80 pitches. That doesn't happen that often. And when you, I went back and looked, and it's actually the second time that's happened this year. Do you know who the other guy who did it? No. Tyler Alexander, when he had that joke of a strike zone. Oh. That's the other one. (laughs) I just traded for Tyler Alexander in in NL Tau. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking Tyler Anderson. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's the other one. But that's so when I was looking through, you know, that doesn't happen that often. But the the names on the list was like – it, there was I looked at it like Caleb Smith was on there. You figure, you know, guys when they're throwing strikes and get ahead with the change up, uh, you know, those type. But the list was like, huh, that's the, that guy's on it. Are you kidding me? Uh, so that was one of the weird ones uh, on it. But 80 pitches and 10 strikeouts is impressive. And uh, the one run was the solo home run to Castro. Uh, that was quite a shot. But again, he's, he's super skinny, but that stuff looks good. But it, you know, when they get uh, assuming that. Plesak and, and Clevenger on their way back up after their their grounding. Uh, what do they do? I mean, this there's no room in the ro- there's no room in the rotation for him. Uh, and the way that uh, Cleveland has used their their starting pitchers, there's not even swing need. I mean, everybody in that they have to. I haven't looked it up. They have to be leading the league and in innings pitched by the starting pitchers by quite a bit. Yeah, it's it wouldn't be surprising to me if they were. I mean, I guess they could go six man, but you have to think that this is a team that will look to trade either either Clevenger or Plesac, uh, and maybe both. 
You would think. Well, so they are lead. They are leading the league in innings pitched by starting pitchers, uh, but not by much. Uh, they have 161 innings uh, for 27 games started, uh, and that's ahead of the Rockies, who are 153 and a third and over 27. But yeah, the other ones, the teams that have 27 games started, uh, the Astros at 139 and a third. Uh, the Orioles at 119, the Royals at 117 and two thirds. So it's like, yeah, the, the Indians are getting the most out of their staff um, for innings pitched by their starting pitchers because a they have, they're rare. They have the health outside of these two being idiots. Uh, they have they have health. That's it. They have they have not had the issues that have befallen these other squads. Yeah, uh, but they need offense, especially out of that oh, outfield. That yeah, outfield. They need offense. And so, I mean, if they could trade Clevenger or Plesak for a, you know, a legit outfielder, you got to think they're going to do that. I mean, the, it just makes too much sense for them not to go to the Yankees and be like, give us somebody. <laughs> they are 28th in baseball and weighted on base average as a team. 28th, 292. Even go to the Mets and be like, hey, give us someone. <laughs> like, go somewhere. And I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine they want, they they really want to bring both Plesak and Clevenger back onto this team. <sighs> Got to figure out something. But yeah, they need, uh, wow, they need hitting. Yeah, the Yankees, even with, all, with their injuries, they still lead the league and weighted on base average. How many times have they faced Boston pitching? That seems to be the magic elixir. Yeah, Face Boston, get hot. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's finish out with Julian Merriweather. Uh, I, when you added him to the show notes, I thought you were playing a joke on me. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, I mean, uh, so tell me, what did you see in Merriweather that made you add him to the show notes? So Julian Merriweather was the guy that Toronto got in the Josh Donaldson trade. So like, if you forgot about that, that's the yeah, that's where he is. Now he missed. He ended up hurting his hurting his arm, uh, or Josh Donaldson. I'm trying to bounce it around. Like he got hurt with Cleveland. He got his he hurt his elbow in 18. Had Tommy John surgery. Missed the rest of 18 and missed all of last year. Uh, and now, but he's he's in that. Hey, it's been two years since I've had my elbow surgery. And if you go back and watch the highlights of him pitching uh, against Tampa Bay yesterday, in particular, go back and watch the Austin Meadows at bat. And three different pitches. The, the at-bat was three pitches long, and Austin Meadows did not make contact. Three different pitches, three different locations, and really made Austin Meadows look – not that Austin Meadows has been great this year, but, I mean, we know what he's capable of. And here comes this 28-year-old rookie throwing the pitches that he had with the movement. And in Toronto, where they've had, their, where they've had the injuries um, that they've tried to deal with, the one thing that's impressed me in Toronto is the guys they've been – cycling in and out of their bullpen that's even without Giles I mean I've liked what I've seen from Jordan Romano uh, and different things but what Merriweather showed me like in a deep AL league like I'm putting some money in on him in my AL leagues that I have tonight just a couple of bucks to see what happens but it's the first time I've seen him pitch and I liked what I saw. I don't know where the role is going to be for him. Uh, and I still think Romano's more has a has a higher leverage role and Ryan Barucki and, and his relief the version of his relief has looked really good as well. I still think those two guys are ahead of him in the leverage depth chart. Uh, but I liked what I saw yesterday. Uh, and if even if you're in a keeper league and you have the ability to kind of speculate, because again, this is a 28 year old guy. Uh, and it's not like they've got to do is, you know, we talked what three weeks ago, uh, 
unfortunately, about what the Pirates should do with Zach with uh, Nick Birdie. Zach Birdie, one of the Birdie brothers, whichever one's on Pittsburgh. You know, we're like, hey, this arm's had a lot of issues. Do what you can with it. And then, like, he gets hurt five days later. Uh, and that sucked. Uh, but same thing here. It's just like, okay, you're two years removed from your Tommy John surgery. You're 28 years old. You've got some stuff. Let's see what you got. Um, and there's opportunity for him in Toronto. And, you know, that team uh, – they're not going away. Uh, and we know what the, they're with the, the everybody's focused on the hitting, but I, I continue to be impressed with what I see from the bullpen. Now there's some inexperienced youth and inexperienced. They've lost a number of close games. They haven't been able to finish some of those games. Uh, and that's going to happen with youth and inexperienced, especially when you lose a guy like Giles and you've got to try to put the pieces together. But I like what I saw yesterday, just saying homework assignment, go watch, go back to MLB.com, go pull up the highlights, or if you can, watch the outing and see what I'm talking about. All right, I definitely will, because I, I have not yet watched him, uh, other than just the uh, quick highlight you uh, you sent over me, so I'm going to go watch the end of that uh, Toronto game and, and kind of see, uh, see what I see, uh, but uh, deep AL only, I'm sure you guys are in the same predicament i am in nl only which is uh there's nobody available <laughs> just nobody it so. is the other day I, I tweeted out a picture i had to replace two outfielders in tout because you know my team is a is a 2019 justin mason special mm-hmm. uh and uh, hey shocker i'm in last place in that league uh but when i had to replace two guys and i took a picture and there were literally three guys i could bid on that was it there was only three guys to even bid on, and two of them weren't playing. Yeah. So, uh, Michael Brantley's off the DL. I can move him into my active lineup. Nice. I'm currently looking on who I'm going to uh, replace uh, Francisco Cervelli with at catcher in a two-catcher or 12-team two-catcher NL only league, and uh, I don't believe most of these names are real. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, yeah, I can – I got to move around – uh, st- here's how this is how bad deep leagues are. I have Eric Kratz and starting as a catcher. That's how bad it is. But Eric Kratz didn't have two singles this week in the day game against the Rays. I'm like, all right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that worked. That may have been half my hit total for my catchers uh, this season. But uh, yeah, at least I could put Michael Brantley back in my line. That's the first guy active that's come up. But I still got Madrigal and Diaz and. Um, Cordero done for the year, Nick Heath out, Higashioka, that's why. And he was replacing somebody else that I had a catcher. And Charlie Morton, maybe he's supposed to come back this week. And, oh, yeah, there's Jake Odorizzi. He's on the IL now, too. <laughs> I may just end up having to be stuck with uh, my poor roster. <laughs> with Sir All right, well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Jason, uh, what do you got going on? Uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to write for Rotowire today. It may be the stolen base thing, uh, but uh, I got to figure that piece out. It's just been a really rough week for the day job. And so I'm trying to reset my brain. Normally, my writing is my, oh, this is between doing the podcast with you and then the writing is my way to reset and then get back into the reality of the day job. But it's been, I was in bed by like 8.15 on Friday night. Oh, Kids, man. I mean, yes, I'm a, I'm old, but I was just like, that's how bad the week has been. <laughs> I fell asleep in the third ending of the Rays uh, Blue Jays game. I could not, could not stay awake. And then last night, I was up till one in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm super jealous because uh, this whole like working during the day thing was supposed to uh, mean I got to sleep at night, and I don't think I've been to bed before two o'clock in the morning in like weeks. 
which sucks when you've got to get your kid up for school, online school at what's six thirty in the morning. So yeah, it's like old school Justin Mason. That that's that's what it is right now. So, oh, uh, I could take Kretz out of my lineup. Yay! <laughs> I can move Grandall back to catcher, and I can put Mountcastle at first, and I can get okay. We're moving now. This is good. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just put bids on Drew Brutera and J.R. Murphy. That that makes me feel good. You should uh, throw all of your money at Drew Butera, UCF. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's gonna work. Uh, but that will do it for us. For Jason and myself, thank you for listening. Have fantastic baseball season. <laughs>